son comes to the Father, but through him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus, therefore it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Get motivated and be inspired by inspiration for today. We're going to pray together. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you administer to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today in a way that I can understand it, so that I can speak it and declare it and do it and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're doing a new series, lining up with our fasting, Jumpstart Your Year. So jumpstart your 2022. And already 2022 has started off better than 2021 because a year ago we were on our own in these weeks and uh, we were doing a broadcast I had a few people here that were helping with the broadcast and I'm speaking in the camera like seeing you sort of somewhere in the ether you know what I mean now I see people yeah I see people at the other sites and it's just absolutely awesome it's fantastic you know what I mean so give the Lord a big shout of praise that we can be together amen and we're talking today in terms of jump starting your year it starts with you being able to pray prayers that God will answer. Now, as we start, I want to ask you this question. What does the statement that comes out of the Bible mean to you? The statement is this, that one day in the house of God is better than a thousand in the world. One day. One day in the house of God is better than a thousand in the world. What does that mean to you personally? In, in terms of jump-starting your, your year, so much of that is going to be dependent on the extent of which you have a relationship with Almighty God. What does that mean for you? And so, um, as you're thinking about that, I want to take this a step further, and I want you to think about how you're living your everyday life, because every single day, from the moment that you get up, you are making decisions. You're making decisions on a daily basis. And so, because of the fact that you're making decisions every single day, that is why we fast and pray. We fast and pray for the decisions that we've got to make because your decisions come out of a mental process that takes place in your mind as to how you process information. And how you process information, and therefore how you think, determines the decisions that you will make. And so what, what I want you to, 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 to really understand, your decisions are a product of your thinking. And here's a big thing about your decisions. Every single one of them, your decisions determine where you go. Tomorrow you will not go anywhere without having made a decision to go. You made a decision to come to church today, otherwise you wouldn't be hearing the sermon. You made a decision to link into the sermon, otherwise you wouldn't be linking in right now to the service. 
Maybe you caught the broadcast just offhand and, and now you've made a decision to sit there and listen. I want you to realize you're making decisions all the time and those decisions come out of the way you process and how you think. And your decisions determine where you go. And where you go determines your destiny. It determines where you're going to end up. As we look at 2022, we're into the, 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 we've completed two full weeks of the year. Some of us have already made bad decisions. But you know what? We don't know it yet. We've made bad decisions and we don't know it yet. Why? Because you only know that the decision is bad when you eat the fruit of the decision. And so for some of us, there's some decisions that we've made already that we're only going to eat the fruit of in the future, and then we're going to find out that wasn't a good decision. When you think about that and you understand that, you need to realize that if your mind is distorted, it will negatively impact the decisions you make. And as a result, you'll make bad ones. I want to tell you that we're coming to the Lord and with the reason why we're giving Him the first part of the year. Basically, we're giving Him most of the first part of the month. And, 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 and at the end of the month, on the 30th of January, we'll be coming together for Vision Sunday. We'll be anointing everyone. We'll be breaking the fast. We'll be taking a first fruits offering, bringing the first fruits for the year into the church. We're giving completely the first month to God because at the end of the day, we do not know if our thinking is distorted. Because it's, it's your reality. And if your reality is misaligned, if your reality is inaccurate, you do not know that until you start experiencing the fruit. But what happens when you experience the fruit of your wrong reality? You blame other people. Even then you don't realize this fruit has come from decisions that I've taken. And that is why we're fasting and that is why we're focusing because we want to learn prayers. We want to learn to pray prayers that God will answer. And in terms of this, we also need to think about understanding some things about thinking. And you know there's two types of thinkers that are sitting in the service. You've got passive thinkers and you've got active thinkers. I trust that everyone that is in the active church is an active thinker. Come on, if you're an active thinker, give the Lord the biggest shout of praise out today. Amen. Now, come on, really lift up a shout of praise. Say amen. Amen. What is a passive thinker? Passive thinking is the kind of thinking that happens when you let life happen to you. Passive thinking is what happens when you believe that everything is always happening to you. Everyone in their life faces tragedy. Everyone. But you know, some people make like their tragedy is so bad that no one else knows what they're going through. And the question is, whenever you're going through tragedy and the world's carrying on around you, please understand, many of those people who are carrying on, many of them have faced tragedy too, and some of their tragedies might have been worse than yours. You know, whenever I think about losses that we've had, and there have been times in our lives where we've had losses, and some of them have have been really gruesome losses. Literally, they were gruesome. There was blood all over the place. Those kind of losses. 
And every time when it felt like it was getting too much, I remember there was a guy I used to work with who lost his wife and his four children in one car accident. Bam, they were all dead. I never went through that. There's someone that's always been through worse than what you've been through. But passive thinking is the result of a life of reaction where your whole life is about reacting to others and you develop a victim mentality. And if you, if you have a victim mentality, you'll be freaked out by the sermon right now, which I know no one in this church is battling right now. Amen? And when this happens, we blame everyone else for what's going wrong in our lives. I want you just to think about, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been watching some programs over the last six weeks or so, and, and I listen to people who believe that their race group in South Africa is the worst treated race group. Everything's bad. They don't have any opportunities. And it's, it's not one race group. The only ones I'm going to exclude are the Indians. I don't hear too much from them. But for the rest of us, we all got a chip on our shoulder. Black people are complaining about the previous disadvantage of apartheid. And white people are complaining saying we're currently disadvantaged. Everyone's disadvantaged. You are because of sin in the world and the curse and all of those minor little things. We're all disadvantaged. But the thing is that what I want you to realize is that you need to understand that the world is full of evil and the world that we live in is violent. And as long as the devil is here, there will be an attack. There will be tragedies. There will be challenges. And so we all have bad things happen to us. But here's the thing. When our experiences define our thinking, we'll think wrong. Listen to me. We'll think wrong and we'll never recover from those bad experiences. And that's why Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I want to tell you that if you realize you've got passive thinking going on and you've got a, a victim thing going on in your, in your thought processes, the way you think needs to change to where you now move to one that's an active thinker. And active thinking is someone that makes it happen. Active thinking is someone who doesn't just accept circumstances, but adjust to circumstances and make things happen. It's when we believe that our actions have some effect on the things that happen in our lives. And we take personal responsibility for some of the situations we've got in our own lives right now. We realize... Stop complaining about everyone around us because when I change, everything will change. Being an active thinker rather than a passive one determines whether we'll be called a victor or a victim at the end of our lives. There's things that are going to happen to you. There's storms that you're going to face. There's tragedies that you're going to go through that you can do nothing about. But let me tell you something. You will determine whether you, to, as to whether you die a victor or a victim. Let's give an example. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he died in a, in a, in, in a blaze of, of bullets. He was murdered. He was not a victim. 
He was a victor. People still listen to his speeches today. Our problems will either defeat us or develop us, depending on whether we're active or passive thinkers. And active thinkers take responsibility for the process of life and, and, and how to react when, when things happen and how to challenge the, the things that we face. You know, every, every time negative things come against you, you've got to challenge those things. But sometimes even when good things are happening, you've got to challenge those things. You can sit around in life and you can blame that bully from grade six. You can blame what your father and your mother did until the cows come home. And then you can stand before God and you can blame them. But next thing you see that that bully actually came to repentance. That bully met Jesus. That, 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 that bully is now in heaven praising God because he repented of what he did to you and he got saved and he got to heaven. And yeah, you are still bitter and twisted over what he was doing to you in grade six. These are just some of the realities. You can say it's unfair, but if life were fair, you'd be going to hell. Our thinking has led us to the place where we react massively to a stupid comment that someone might make on a Facebook or a Twitter or one of the other social media platforms. But... There are some people who will even go to court over a comment that is made on a social media platform. And they'll speak, some, some people are famous, they'll spend weeks of TV time actually dishing it out and complaining about this thing that has been said and how disgusting it is and all of that. But you know when we hear about human trafficking or about babies that are being raped or, or um, the terrible procedures that are done to kill the unborn, there's no reaction. We, we, we know about people in our world that are unsaved, that are headed for destruction, but it matters not to us. And the, 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 the thing that this shows us is how hard we've become. That the real evil and destruction that takes place doesn't even move us. We don't even budge. We need to get to the place where we have a soft heart. Where we feel, we feel what other people feel. We need to get to the place where we have compassion, where our hearts are open to what they're going through, but not one where our feelings are the boss of us. Every single day, every one of us have a decision to make. Are we going to be the boss of our feelings or are our feelings going to be the boss of us? And here's what God says to us. We have an intellect, so he says, please use it. He gave us a brain. And the problem is some Christians have stopped using their brains. Some Christians can do really stupid things. Passive thinking will lead you to a place where you have a mind that is filled with fear. And oh, how we've seen that the last two years. And what's the problem when you have a mind that is filled with fear? This becomes a huge problem because any decision you make is based on fear. And if you've made the decision based on fear, that decision cannot be of God. Fear says, I can't do this. Fear says, I can't go there. Fear says, can't, can't, can't all the time. I want to advise you, don't make an important decision when you are full of fear. 
Don't go and say something to someone out of fear because you go and you say it out of fear and you end up messing it up. And, and when you say something out of fear and you say that one little sentence, you can mess up something that God has been building in your life for five years. Bam, it's gone in an instant. The problem is the decisions we make don't just affect us. They, they affect our descendants. They affect our children. The decisions we make impact our seed. And if you've messed up, it doesn't help to dwell on that. Start now. Start fasting. Get involved in the prayer meetings. Start getting to God, and God will give you grace. You can't change the past, but you can change the future. Come on, can I have a few more amens here in this active church today? We are personally responsible for our prayers to be answered. If you're complaining God's not answering your prayer, start taking some personal responsibility. And this is why we are fasting. To get God's heart in our prayers. To get God's heart in our thinking. To get God's heart out of His Word. And I want to read to you from Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 5. It says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation, they did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask, me the, they, they ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Then in verse 3, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls, and you take no notice? Sometimes we pray, and sometimes we fast, and it feels like God takes no notice, and God answers, and He says this, In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure, and you exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with a fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to, to make your voice heard on high. It is the fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul. It is to bow down his head like a bulrush and spread out like sackcloth and ashes. Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Now, the key verse is, we have fasted, they say, and you have not seen. We have afflicted our souls and you did not notice. The purpose of fasting. The purpose of fasting is to find a way to seek God. To put aside our physical needs, to put aside our flesh. And to focus on the spiritual and then to discover the heart of God for ourselves and to realize when we're praying and when we're fasting and in terms of our relationship with God, it's not about ourselves. When you pray, you have to learn to pray right. You have to learn to pray accurately. What are you praying about? Why do we fast? We fast not for something, not so we can get something. We fast and do not carry on with our pleasures. We fast so that we can change. 
I want to say that again. We fast so that we can change. We normally pray for others to change, don't we? When we come and we pray, oh Lord, please make my husband change. Oh Lord, please make my wife change, my children. Please make everyone else change. That's normally what we pray. But you know what? When we're praying prayers for other people to change, I promise you now our prayers are hitting the ceiling. We don't fast and pray so that we can get what we want. We fast and pray so that we can become like God. Now, there are also physical benefits to fasting. Many doctors have have started discovering more and more that there are benefits to fasting. Why? Because the body is designed to heal itself at a cellular level. Think about all of the foods and all of the the things that we we take in. With them come toxin. We, we We eat all sorts of processed food. We take all sorts of medicines, all sorts of things. And these things bring toxicity into our cell. And, um... We on a constant basis are holding a certain amount of poisons in our cell. But when we fast, many of those things are flushed out of our system. So that's a physical benefit, but that's not why we fast. We fast for the spiritual benefit. We fast for the benefit of finding God. This is why we fast and pray. This is why I'd encourage you, make fasting and praying a habit throughout the year, not just at this time when we all fast together. The purpose of fasting is His heart, to know the heart of God. And the Lord spoke about the fast that I have chosen. So, so God says, fast the fast that I have chosen. The, the, the first thing is, God says, the fast that you fast It must be a fast that brings freedom to people. There's a spiritual aspect. In fact, in verse 6 of Isaiah 58, it says, Is not this this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. In other words, the fast that God has chosen is that we get to the place where we are no longer controlled. We no longer want to be controlled by things like chocolate cake or weed or speed or whatever. We fast because we want to bring freedom and deliverance to other people. This is what preaching the gospel is all about. So we fast for freedom to people, which is spiritual. People are not free until they're spiritually free. The fast that God has chosen is a fast where we are giving to people. This is physical. Isaiah 58 verse 7, it says, Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the food and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? What God is saying is, what, what is the point of fasting? When at the end of the day, you don't care about the poor around you. And so looking at that, you bring freedom to people which is spiritual. You give to people which is physical. And then you also sow your life to people which is emotional. You sow your life into them. And many Christians struggle with this. Because sowing your life means you're not necessarily going to get something back for it in this life. But God promises you there will be a reward. In Isaiah 58, 9 and 10, it says, If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, 
And if you spend yourselves in, on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. This is the kind of fast that God likes. This is the one that moves God. And this is what the Christian faith is all about. It's all about getting involved in people's lives. It's all about helping them. It's about helping them in their guilt. It's about helping them when there are accusations against them. It's about hel helping them when they're under the weight of judgment. It's about helping them when no one can defend what they've done. It's about not just coming to church and going home. It's about getting involved, praying and getting up and spending time with the Lord in the morning. Going with everything that you have, asking with all your might that you can have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about going to a cell group. It's about getting into training and, and getting yourself trained up and later on becoming a leader too because God wants you to lead people to Jesus and then once you've led them to Jesus and they experience Jesus, He wants you to lead them to the place where they become like Jesus. Every one of us needed someone to walk with us or we wouldn't be where we are. You know, even when you look in churches, there are some people who can't stay in a church too long because they stay in the church, but then they need to move because they say their season has passed. I don't know if you've heard, but there's a Christian word that often goes in church, that people's season have passed. And the reality is that they go to church, they're all happy, and then something happens and they get exposed. The real them comes out, and now they need to move on because people know them. Or maybe they get rebuked and, and suddenly their season has changed because actually what's actually the truth is they're not willing to change. And I want you to understand when you really read the Bible, it will challenge you to your core. For those of you that believe. You yourself will grow and develop by getting involved in other people's lives. Listen, it helps you even though it's messy. And when you grow like this, this is what helps you to make the right choice. Let me tell you, you see, you see the decisions other people make up close. It really helps you in the choices you have to make, even for those of you that are in school. We watched a movie yesterday. Sashali brought it out. We're only watching Christian movies. I watched another one by accident. I started watching. My wife said, what are you doing? We're, not, we're only supposed to watch. I said, oh, my word. It was an accident, I promise. But this movie was called Priceless. And it actually is all about human trafficking in the United States. And this guy had a wife and he had a child and they were happy. And then the wife got sick and died. And it smashed up his world. And now his daughter couldn't even live with him and he had to leave her and all of that sort of stuff. And he gets a job driving trucks. He doesn't know what the cargo is. He drives him from the Mexican border to somewhere in the States. And then he leaves the truck. They come and, they come and empty the, 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 the cargo. And then he come and take the truck. That, that, that's what he got involved with. And he's making quite a bit of cash with this. Until one day he's driving and he falls asleep. Nearly rides into a truck goes on the side of the road and then he hears some crying coming out the back of the thing. There are two women there, an older girl and her younger sister. 
They were being trafficked, it turned out, into prostitution. Now, there's a guy at a motel that is staying it. They challenge him and says, what is in that van? Because the guy knew what was in the van. And the guy knew what was in the van because of things that had happened to his own daughter. And she had died. And the guy says to him, there's this voice inside of you that says you must do something about this. And at first he denies that. He doesn't accept that. And eventually he gets involved and it's a dangerous situation. He saves both his woman and her sister. And the guy that was challenging the main guy in the movie, the, the guy that was the owner of the motel where he was staying at, he ends up dying. But this guy chose then to give his life to save these girls, to save people in situations like this. And you know what? He ended up marrying that girl that he saved out of prostitution. And you see the movie a year later, and you see him going, and, and, and there's this prostitute, and uh, a guy stops and says, how much? He says, 100 bucks. And he says, no ways. I was only going to pay you 20 Listen, I was doing you a favor or something like this. In other words, you're worthless. And anyway, she stands there. Obviously, that, that would have broken her. And then this guy comes to her and offers her 100 They go off to a motel room. A minute after getting in, his wife, the, the, the girl he saved, who's now his wife, comes in. And they built the ministry saving these girls from this situation. And the voice that was inside of him you know what's going on. Are you going to do something about it? And now I want to ask you today. Do you know that the value of any soul is priceless to Jesus? I want you to think about what Jesus went through on the cross for every single soul that is on the earth today. Do you know that value? You know if you're close to Jesus and you know Jesus, you will know that every single soul is priceless. Are they priceless to you? There was a song from, I think it was Hillsong United many years ago. And in that song, in the middle of that song, the words that ring out are, break my heart for what breaks yours. Are you willing to ask God to break your heart for what breaks His? And when you start looking at aspects like this, and, and believe me, especially when you read the New Testament, this that I'm talking about now, this about telling other people about Jesus, it's all over the New Testament. The fact that God doesn't want anyone to go to hell, it's all over the New Testament. The fact that people who do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior are deceived by the devil is all over the New Testament. It's all over. Will you ask God to give you His heart? Will you ask God to give you the mind of Christ? If you haven't got the mind of Christ, you're making wrong choices in life. And you're making wrong choices because you're not doing the Bible. When we do the Lord's fast, it's about us changing. It's focused on how we can become like God. This is the Lord's fast. This is the fast that God appreciates. And next week we'll talk about the results of fasting. Other than your clothes getting looser on you. 
That's not why we're fasting. Amen. And so I first want to ask you, where do you stand with the Lord Jesus Christ yourself? I want to, I want to tell you that during, during this prayer week, we, 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 we've been teaching about praying like Jesus taught how to pray with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Do you know you cannot call God Father if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? When you come to God in prayer, it presupposes that you have a relationship with God. You, you, you can pray, but your prayer is not going to help. It's not going to matter if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The only prayer that will matter is the sinner's prayer. And Romans 8 verse 11 says this, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Now, you look at this, and you look at the next passage that I'm going to read from Romans 10. I want you to understand this. Believing or disbelieving this separates those who are destined to heaven and those who are destined for hell. Romans 10 verse 8 and 9, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So guess what? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are doomed for destruction. The Bible does not have good things to say about your future. But it says this. That if you will confess with your mouth, if you will say something with your mouth, what is that? You say, Jesus is Lord. You say, Jesus, I'm opening the door of my heart. I'm letting you in. You say that. You say, I want to surrender my life to you. You say it. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and that's the second part, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. In other words, you believe that Jesus was crucified. And three days later, he rose again. If you believe that God raised him from the dead, the rest of the gospel is easy to believe. The most difficult part of the gospel to believe is the resurrection. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth, Jesus, you're saved. So I want to come before you today and tell you and implore you that your eternal destiny is at stake. And some of you might be struggling right now saying, no, I, I, I don't want to make this commitment right now. I'm not ready. M maybe you, you, you don't even know Jesus and God's calling you to make a commitment and you're saying, I'll go and pray about it. Don't bother praying about it if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Don't say I'll pray at home. Don't say I'll pray later. The, the thing is, come right now because... This is the altar that God has set for you right now. He has laid a table of His wisdom. He has, he, has, he has laid a table of His revelation before you right now. Now is the time for your salvation. Don't think that you're going to have a more effective time later. When you make this commitment, you're replying to God. You're replying to the invitation that he's given you here this morning. And what you're saying to him is, Lord, now is the time. This is the time right now. Lord, I want to commit to you in this place right now at this altar. I want to submit my life to you from now on completely, Lord. 
Lord, my life is not better in my hands. I know it's going to be better in your hands. I can't wait until later because if I wait until later, I don't know if I'll make it. Lord, I don't want to spend eternity far from you. Lord, I'm throwing myself at this altar. I'm desperate for you. And Lord, I want to choose to live close to you from this day on. I want to be close to you from this day on, Lord, because if ever death comes knocking at my door, I want to know that I'll be ready because I want to know what David said in Psalm 23, that even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so right now I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. If you're watching online and you need to give your life to Jesus or maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus, then I want to encourage you right now to send an email to info at theactivechurch.org. That is info at theactivechurch.org. And just tell us, I've given my life to Jesus or I'm recommitting my life to Jesus. And if you are here or at one of the other sites, in a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And for those of you who raise your hands, we're going to pray with you. And we're going to believe with you. For those of you who send that email, we're going to believe with you. Whether you're listening online, whether you're listening to the audio, whether you're watching at home, whether you're here at Salby or one of the other sites, wherever you may be, God's going to touch you. I believe He's going to touch you right now. And so right now, if you need to give your heart to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Some hands have already gone up. Just raise your hand up high so that we can see. Some more hands have gone up in the front, to my left, to my right, at the back. Some more hands have gone. I'm going to just ask one more time. If you're at Henley or you're out there at Jacksonville or at St. Mary's, wherever you may be, any one of the sites, just raise your hand right now. A leader is going to check you out and, and they're going to speak to you after the service. One more time, is there anyone else? Maybe you've been hesitating. Maybe you've been hesitating to send that email. Send it now. Just raise your hand right now if there's anyone else. Just send it right now. And raise your hand right now. Is there anyone else? One last time. Right, we're going we're gonna to pray together. But I want to ask everyone to put your right hand on your heart. And I want you to visualize Jesus standing in front of you. And as he's standing in front of you, this, you see the holes in his hands. You see the holes in his feet because you're remembering that he died for you. You're remembering the blood that he shed for you. And you, you, the Lord is saying to you right now, that same blood that he shed for you over 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, that same blood is washing away the sins of anyone that will believe in Jesus right now. And he will do so for you. His work stands once and for all. The blood of Jesus was the price that was paid for our sin. And if we put our, our faith in Him, it will wash all of our sin away. Just see Jesus. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you to pray and I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me to, to just stand in support to those who've raised their hands and sent the emails. We're going to pray to you. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin and I accept your sacrifice and I know that it was the price that you paid for my redemption. 
And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body wash me of all my rebellion, all my sin. Set me free from any sickness and any pain. I accept that my debt has been paid and that there's no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me at the cross of Calvary. I accept that by your blood I'm justified and that you see me as I've never sinned and that by your blood I'm sanctified because you've chosen me to serve you and I'm willing to serve you. And so today I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You turn seas into highways You're the only